In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear children, I still remember my first sermon to you back in 2011, when I could still be counted as a newly ordained priest. The day of my official installation as rector of St. Mary's here was on September 11th, 2011. And I remember beginning the sermon at that time by remarking what a difference 10 years make. After 10 years of priesthood, I might say the same thing. Certainly if we compare the world we knew in the morning, on the morning of September 11th, 2001, to that of September 11th, 2011, we might be tempted to think that those were indeed two different worlds. Looking back now on the past 10 years, I cannot truly say that we are looking at a different world. Though sadly today, most of us are tempted to think that it is a far worse world than the one we knew then. As we prepare to celebrate the anniversary of our nation's birth, all of us who have any love for our country can only be cut to the quick as we see our nation bleeding. Nor does it seem right now that this bloodletting is going to let up. As we prepare for the November elections, and I think we can say that we have very strong prudential reasons for voting, you probably are shuddering as I am to think that if the current occupant of the White House is re-elected, on that very night, this nation will erupt in new riots. And if he is not re-elected, there will doubtless be riots of celebration. Yes, the nation that we have known and loved, despite its many imperfections, despite the fact, most of all, that it is still very far from becoming a Catholic nation, <clears throat> we find it perhaps harder and harder to hear at the beginning of a sermon the words with which I have so often begun the sermon on this fourth Sunday after Pentecost. As the Apostle tells us today, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. But should we be distraught to find that these words are being fulfilled right now in our very hearing? How long have I been telling you 
that the Lion of Judah is on the move. Should we despair that at long last the lines are being drawn? How remarkable these words of the Apostle today that the glory of which he speaks is to be revealed in us. In us, I say, provided that we are counted among the children of God. What is that, he tells us, which creation awaits with deep longing, the revelation of the children of God? No, we cannot doubt that here in our time we shall see some revelation of the children of God. Already we can clearly distinguish those who could be counted children of God and those who would be counted children of of mammon. Children of God versus children of Moloch. Children of God versus children of safety. No, I do not think we have had done yet with this God of safety. If at first the insistence was on perfect safety from a disease, the insistence now continues and the promise will soon be made of perfect safety from all the violence. How more sharply indeed could the lines be drawn? This is the month of June. We have been celebrating this month in honor of the most sacred heart of Jesus. The heart of our Savior who told us Learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. What further words are needed to contrast this devotion to the Sacred Heart in the month of June with that celebration of unspeakable vice during this same month, which goes simply by the name of pride? As it was once said to our sweet Savior at the moment of his passion, and as we may well suppose will be said to those very people who do not count themselves children of God, what further need have we of witnesses? And so if we are to rejoice in the words of the Apostle today, that these present sufferings are nothing to be compared to the glory to be revealed in us. We should consider for a moment just what is necessary to be found as a child of God when the Lion of Judah finally appears before us as our dread judge. Truly do you need to hear these things again? I'll bet you do. Who are then the children of God? They are those who believe 
that there is one name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. The holy name of our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is one church of the faithful outside of which no one is saved. And this one church is the only perfect society because its divine power, its divine founder is the perfect one and shows us alone the way of perfection. Children of God are those who believe that all human lives matter because all souls matter. Every human being has the inalienable right to embrace the Catholic faith for God's greater glory and for our salvation. All have the right to be born and be baptized, to be confirmed and receive the Blessed Eucharist, and to embrace the vocation God has chosen for them in life, and to die a natural death nourished by the sacraments. The children of God believe that there is one race redeemed by Christ, the human race. All members of this race, regardless of color, are created in the image and likeness of God. And they are created male and female. Thus, marriage can be defined simply as one man, one woman for life. That is, one man, one woman together for life, one man, one woman open to life. All other unions parading as marriage that are not of one male and one female that join and then divorce according to one's good pleasure and that reject God's gift of life are an abomination. The children of God are those who obey all Ten Commandments. Yes, liars, thieves, murderers, the impure in thought, word, and deed, and that most certainly includes dress, slanderers, all these have no part in the kingdom of God, for they hate their neighbor. But let us not forget the three most important commandments, those that regard the love of God. The Church has always commanded the attendance at Sunday Mass because the third commandment is something that can never be abolished. An individual church building may be closed on a certain Sunday because of a hurricane about to hit, but no power on earth can ever abolish the Lord's Day 
or the grave obligation of making it holy and abstaining from servile work. The sacred name of Jesus is to be used as a prayer and called upon for our salvation. Any use of it in any other fashion is the sin of blasphemy. And as that commandment tells us, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his holy name in vain. On this point in particular, surely we should rejoice that at long last we have given up on this truce with the world. We have quietly gone about for so many decades where our Lord's holy name has been blasphemed in all forms of public media. Never again shall we go along to get along. And that finally we can have no other gods but the one true one. Not Mammon, not Moloch, not Sin, not safety. No, all those who do these things shall have no part in life eternal, but shall depart into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Unless, before the close of this life, they repent. The children of God are those who will be found by the Lion of Judah to be, as he told us to be, wise as serpents and simple as doves. Yes, those who, in these dark times, which seem to announce an age of martyrs, know how to practice the virtues of prudence and courage. Courage without prudence leads to rage, foolhardiness, and ultimately despair. Prudence without courage makes for mere armchair martyrs, cowardly critics. Our Lord says, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. Blessed that servant, he says, who when he comes, he shall find watchful. And so let us consider once more the salutary words which the Apostle gives us today. Remember that he wrote these words to the Romans at a time when the age of martyrs was about to begin. For a few short years later, the Apostle Paul himself would consecrate that city with his own blood. Truly the eighth chapter of Romans is something we should bring to adoration and read on our knees. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed in us. For all creation waits with eager longing for the manifestation of the children of God. Truly, he tells us, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For what can ever separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, 
distress, persecution, famine, peril, sword. No, in all these things we overcome because of him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.